back with the show it's gerald glassford come right back at you here with the pop culture cosmos thanks so much for watching and listening it is marvel the topic today the reason why is you know i had to take a look at it after we were so excited for phase five to kick off and i know that a lot of people out there were looking forward to finally the pieces starting to fall together and maybe connect in a much better way than they did in phase four, which was seemingly all over the place. And a lot of introductions that maybe a lot of people were not really enjoying as much as they did before in the past. And I will say though, that is a question on my mind. I think this would my guest here, he he's not as concerned as i am but he is ready to make some changes and that is the man indeed he returns to us once again as he's on the road talking marvel it is tj johnson and tj i don't want to say that there's going to be an epic fail per se with marvel but after the numbers that we saw from ant-man and the wasp and the collective groan that we have seen from the audience at large out there that did see it. I think that people were ready to go ahead and hop on board if it was a really good movie, but they heard the advanced word, the word of mouth was not really good. So the numbers are falling. It's the worst second week drop ever for Marvel. I think there is room for concern at Marvel. I know you're not as concerned with what's coming up on the plate, but if you were running Marvel, and you saw the direction that it's heading, what are you doing to change that for phase five and phase six moving forward? Joe, that's a good question. Uh, once again, thank you for having me on the show. I'm not as concerned. I'm not as concerned for a, a couple of reasons. Um, I think Kevin Feige has already proven, uh, has already proven track record of being so successful with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I think he deserves an opportunity to really write the ship. A lot of the things that are, we're seeing now have been the results of things that have been going on since the pandemic. Um, obviously, we're out of the pandemic now, but these things were still in the works during the pandemic. So there's a lot of other factors that are determining with some of these uh, projects that have been coming out. And while some of them have been outstanding, uh, some of them brought in a lot of money, some of them have fallen a little bit flat. And I can understand why, where some of the investors and some of our fans are starting to look at Marvel like, all right, guys, you know, you've, you've been doing so well for so long. Um, you know, you might need to look at some retooling and reshuffling, but I'm, I'm not as concerned. Here's what I will say. Marvel, Kevin Feige struck gold, right? The thing that Marvel did for the first four phases of the MCU, or the first three phases of the MCU, um, was unprecedented having these films come out in succession and then coming out with the team of films with all these superstars together, all with this overarching plot that um, they had planned out. And they did something that was never really done before. So it's kind of very, very difficult to create that same magic, right? We already had mm -hmm. the event ending, the, the end game level event uh, with Thanos and the snap and and it's kind of hard to go back to old neighborhood, you know, old neighborhood Spider-Man type stuff where he's just going through and stopping muggers and 
because we're, we're we've already been given the big stuff. It's it's hard to go back and take the small things. Now I don't mind seeing a smaller version of the Spider-Man film, but it's going to be hard for the general public to go back and say, okay, well, let's go back to his roots and you have people that have been exposed to this version of Spider-Man. It's going to be hard to go backwards. So I say that to say, Marvel's going to have to be very judicious about the projects that it puts out now, um, and with those projects, understanding that you can't recapture that same lightning in a bottle. So now that the Robert Downey's and uh, maybe the Chris Evans and maybe the Chris Hemsworth's of the original MCU, the old MCU, if you will, have moved on, you've got to understand that people are going to have to be reintroduced to new players, but you've got to make them new players that people care about, right? We're still waiting to see how they're going to introduce the mutants into the MCU, right? The, that Fox merger deal has been done for maybe a couple of years, again, pandemic stuff. So it, it slowed everything down, almost ground the entire world to a halt. But we're still waiting to see how they're going to introduce the MCU, uh, the MCU's version of the X-Men. We're still waiting on how they can introduce the MCU's version of the Fantastic Four. So they've still got some big cards to play. And I, Kevin Feige clearly has a, a long game in mind. Just We just have to remember that we're, nobody is super hyped for another Ant-Man film. Nobody was super hyped for Ant-Man film after the first one. The second one, okay, the second one was was pretty good. It, it was it was it was it was better than I think people thought. But also, it still falls into the whole uh, Thanos, uh, the whole uh, goodness. I can't think of the term, the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, right? So that's still all the Infinity Saga. That's still in there. So of course, we're all still attached to that saga. So they're going to see the Ant-Man, regardless of if it really resonates with them or not. I guess we can't really say the same thing about Captain Marvel because nobody seems to like that one. But my point is, that was a big, that was a lot that they, they, they took on and a lot that they did. And so it's, it's expected for there to be a bit of a drop off. And honestly, I think it's expected for there to be a bit of fatigue. Now, we also understand that there are certain events that people are going to show up for, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Everybody showed up for that. And quiet as kept, I didn't like it as much as everybody else did. I didn't think it was bad by any stretch of the imagination, but you and I already had conversations about it. I didn't think it was it was as good as what everybody else seemed to think about it, but it sold very very well, and people came out to see it in droves. So they've got they they know the blueprint. They've got what they need to do. They just have to understand that without the heavy hitters that they've had and the storyline that they've already used, it's going to be they've got they've got to come up with some new tricks. Kevin Feige, he has the he has the ability to do it. I, I, I've got the utmost confidence in Kevin Feige, and yes, there have been some missteps. And I think with the emergence of DC uh, starting to kind of maybe gain some traction, obviously the advanced uh, reviews I've heard, advanced things I've heard about Flashpoint or this new Flash film have been phenomenal. Obviously you got Michael Keaton's Batman, so that's gonna be a big deal and people are gonna want to see that. So I think it's gonna be great for Marvel to have a legitimate rivalry with DC moving forward. I think that DC Gaining Ground and obviously James Gunn. We're familiar with him from Marvel, uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. And we know exactly what it is that he brings to the game. And he clearly has this way of taking some of the more obscure properties, if you will, and making them household names. You're looking at the uh, Suicide Squad, you're looking at um, what was John, well, Peacemaker. Uh, a lot of these guys that we I really didn't know much about, he's already made them household names. So. He is going to help usher in a new era for DC, which, if done correctly, 
will really push Marvel to say, okay, we've got to keep it fresh. We've got to keep it, we've got to keep it new because DC's coming. They're gonna figure it out. James Gunn is, is is going to figure it out. They're they're coming. So I'm not worried. I understand where people will be concerned. I understand where you might be concerned. Um, but I think Kevin Feige has proven that he he deserves an opportunity to write the ship. And again, we're still dealing with stuff that came out or that was being worked on during the pandemic. So now that we're out of the pandemic, so to speak, and people are back in the office and back to work, I'd be more interested to see what starts coming out, you know, in the next couple of years, as opposed to what's been coming out the last few. Well, again, it's, it's a situation where there was so much in the way of expectations yeah. in regards for Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. And it is looking very much like it will not even come close to the expected numbers for it. I know Disney cannot be happy with that. And I'm not doubting the brilliance of what we're seeing before with Kevin Feige. But phase four, the way that turned out, the way that was so scattershot, the way that it, it just didn't have any cohesiveness or or buy through line, it was really concerning to me that that phase five would get off to a better start, that it would get off to a start that I think people were more familiar with as far as a through line leading to the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars collective movies. And yes, Kang was very much a great part of Quantumania and John Majors, Jonathan Majors did an outstanding job of of trying to go ahead and put fear into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And of course, we'll see the Council of Kangs and Kang variations from here on out. But I just don't get the sense that it was just, I just see the where the people act are acting. I see the I see the responses. I see the fact that that nobody is putting this at the level that they did for Thanos. And the idea for Kang is he's that he's supposed to be beyond what Kit Thanos is. And that concerns me because if the general audience at large is not viewing this as a must watch any longer, then I will believe that you will see diminishing returns by the time you get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. No, I I definitely agree with you. And I think what's going to be important is that with the Secret War, you really you really have to figure out new ways to subvert our expectations. Like, obviously, with the multiverse opened up, we expect to see we expect to see variants of heroes that we know, and we expect to see maybe even old faces that we've already seen. We expect to see we expect to see those, but understand that with those expectations, there are going to be there's going to be disappointment if some of those things don't happen. I think we're all a little disappointed that they haven't, again, introduced the X-Men yet. I think we're all disappointed that they haven't introduced a real version of the Fantastic Four. We got Reed Richards in Multiverse of Madness, but we didn't get Fantastic Four. So I think that knowing our expectations and then kind of figuring out the way to help deliver on those expectations, but subvert them at the same time and give us things that we weren't expecting, it's a tall task. It's not like it's an easy thing to figure out. And um, the heads at Marvel and the heads at Disney, they, they've got their work cut out for them for sure. Um, but I just, I, I have confidence that they'll be able to figure that out and they'll be able to write that ship and they'll be able to give us something that we're, we're looking for. Um, I think that 
they also have to really look at the model that they have for Disney Plus in regards to these releases because the truth is, people can say, okay, well, if Ant Man and the Ant Man Quantumania wasn't really that good, I don't need to go to the theater to see it. I can wait till it comes out on Disney Plus. And when it comes out on Disney Plus, whenever that is, yes, I'll I'll, I'll know about what's going to happen beforehand. But I'm already paying for the Disney Plus service. I'm not going to go spend money on a movie that. I'm hearing it's not going to be very well. I'll be curious to see what the digital numbers are for that movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that yeah, that's something where we saw that the lack of enthusiasm for Thor Love and Thunder and uh, even to a, lar- a little bit larger extent, Black Panther Wakanda Forever was translated into large numbers on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Hello? You still there? Yes, I'm still here. Beautiful. Gotcha. Okay, I thought I lost you. Yeah, I mean, I think that even you look at something like Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Thematically, the movie was was okay, but it still wasn't something that had I not already rushed to the theater to go see it, if I had kind of heard about it prior to seeing it and kind of had it maybe a little spoiled for me, I wouldn't have been as I'd have been more inclined to wait for Disney Plus. Um, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I can understand how everybody else would kind of feel the same way, maybe about Quantumania. I think where the concern starts to lie is if the numbers for Quantumania don't add up even with streaming. So even if you get to the streaming service and it's still not even garnering good views in streaming, then I can understand being a little bit more concerned. I think just in this age that we're in now, people are still kind of getting themselves back to the movies. And if it's not a big time Avengers endgame level threat or uh, ensemble film like that, it's going to be harder to get people to go back in there just to go see Ant-Man. I mean, unfortunately, he, he wasn't a huge name prior to, and he's still not a huge name. He's a little bit more known now because of what Paul Rudd and, and those guys have done with the, with the character and the franchise. But he's still not a big name superhero. If we have, I'll be interested to see what happens with the new Captain America. I'll be interested to see what happens if they decide to do another Thor after Love and Thunder, which I know that that's that's up in the air right now as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they establish a strong tentpole franchise in the Marvel Cinematic Universe without having your heavy hitters anymore. You know, without having the the RDJs, the Chris Evans, the Chris Hemsworths, the Scarlett Johansson, the, the all the old the old G's, if you will. You don't have them at the, to, to back you up anymore. So now they have to establish a new tentpole franchise. And I'm telling you, the sooner they bring the X-Men and the Fantastic Four into the mix, the, the better they're going to be. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. So I ask you this, my friend, with the way that it's setting up now, it is probably something that you 100% would not agree with if you were mapping things out. If you were mapping things out, how would what, what, what changes would you make? What, what things would you actually prioritize first to the audience? What things would you go ahead and, and or what, what movies or what properties or what characters would you say would be better would better set up phase five and phase six going forward oh that's a that's a good tough question uh 
So if I had the chance to kind of like redo the entire roadmap, because obviously they've got that roadmap written out for the next five, six years, um, yeah. I think that I would have, once the Fox merger would have happened, I would have immediately went through with doing some things like, you know, I heard that there was a, a potential theory that Deadpool could take over doing the cameos that Stan Lee was doing in all the Marvel films, you know, so where Deadpool would kind of come in at, for no reason and just completely break the fourth wall and, and be that that person. And that, that's, that's kind of paying off the fans a little bit, right? That's saying, hey, we hear you. We can add some stuff to it. We, we can't change everything. We can't change up our entire slate, but we can start adding some stuff to it. To, to, we, we understand there's a desire for you to see these characters. We understand there's a desire for you to, to experience some of these new stories, and we want to get there too, but they also, it, 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 I don't know, man. I think that I would have, I definitely would have been aggressive to bring the mutants into it, uh, but I also have the luxury of knowing that they're coming now. When they started mapping out this phase, they didn't know. So yeah. it, it's tough. It, it really is tough, and, and they're in a position that's just not envious. I don't see them being in a position to really introduce those characters until they get into, until they get closer to uh, Secret Wars, and until they get closer to uh, Secret Invasion, I should say. And uh, No, Secret Wars. Secret Invasion is the one with uh, Samuel L. Jackson with the show. Yes. So, yeah, I think they're going to, I think they, I think we're, we're going to have to be patient until after Secret Wars. I think Secret Wars is going to really be when things get kind of kick off again. Um, but I don't know how I would map this out right now. I think, obviously, again, knowing now that we have the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, I would have done things differently. I would have introduced them or maybe started bringing them into, start having them up make cameos or appearances in certain things. Like, I think Wakanda Forever would have been the perfect time to introduce Storm or Aurora Monroe about her character. I think, you know, obviously them bringing in Professor Xavier during Multiverse of Madness, they've had an opportunity to do so in a couple of different places. So I think I would have started leaning more on that, slowly introducing these characters to the world. Obviously Kamala Khan and her 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 origin kind of changing to be a mutant as opposed to a, uh inhuman. Uh, I think they're starting to see that, but they, they need to be more aggressive in doing that. They need to be more aggressive in ingratiating us with those characters. They need to be more aggressive in spoon-feeding us and or giving us a little bit of what we're looking for because that's what people want to see. Uh, the, when, when they said that Hugh Jackman was going to return for Deadpool 3, people lost. I lost my mind. I absolutely lost my mind. People are dying to see that. They're dying to see their favorite heroes on screen. And because we've already got a lot of our favorite heroes on the screen, and now that they're not being on the screen anymore, we have to start going to other heroes. And once we finally get through some of these other mid-level heroes, we can get back to the X-Men and, and the Fantastic Four that we've been talking about. So it's hard. It's really hard to say how they will map it out. I do not envy Kevin Feige's position. I've always said that if I were in the industry and I wasn't an actor, I'd be a director because I cannot create a story, but I can definitely recreate it. If you've already created the story, I can retell it. So I'm not sure how to write this ship right now except for starting to, to, to spoon feed what they're looking for. Uh, but because of the commitments they've already got, it's, it's, it's harder to do that, I'd have to imagine. So I think we just have to be, we have to be patient. Um, we have to understand that this is a process and it doesn't happen overnight kind of have to reset a little bit. It's still, it's tough. I mean, Endgame was not that long ago and people are still super, I know I'm still super attached to Endgame and all those characters from the first four phases of the MCU. 
So it's going to be hard for people to let that go. I get that. I recognize that. And I'm sure Disney is starting to see that as well. I, I heard that there were talks about possibly bringing RDJ back, but he wanted like $128 million or something. Something astronomical like that. I don't know. I think if you're a Disney, you, you, you pay the man, especially if you're trying to get your, your viewership back up. I think you do what you got to do to bring him in. But, you know, only time will tell. Only time will tell. Only time will tell indeed. But before we head on out, my friend, I know you're, like I said, you're still traveling on the highway as you're thinking about Marvel because I believe Marvel's at a crossroads right now, and it's a very important time for Marvel to get back a lot of the consumer base that they're starting to lose right now because of the fact that, my gosh, it just seems like that Marvel is is no longer the sure bet that it once was. I still feel that they can go ahead and have their hits. I still feel that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be big for them. How big? I'm not so sure because the fact, again, is is Marvel the must-watching event, the must-see event that it once was. We're obviously seeing the diminishing returns with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We're obviously seeing the the fading interest of many of the latter half of the projects of Phase 4 that and how well... Or, and how well or how well it did not do as far as winning many of those projects. Many of those projects in Phase 4 ended up not doing as well as I think that Marvel and Disney wanted it to because it just didn't seem like that they had that home run that they once did every May or ever, late every year that they always did. So, my friend, as we head into Phase 5 and Phase 6, like you said, you're... You are enthusiastic about what's uh, coming up, but you maybe would lay it out a little bit differently than what Disney has already. Yeah, I, I would. And it, I, I have to, if there's one thing that I would preach in all of this, it would just be patient. You know, uh, it's it's tough because we they've been so good for so long, right? We've had the last 10, 11 years of just some top-tier Marvel stuff. Have you had a few duds in there? Yeah, there's been a couple, but by and large, it's been just top top-notch stuff, and we kind of got accustomed to that, and honestly, we've been a little bit spoiled, so I think it's, uh, uh, as unfortunate as it is, it's, it's our money, right, we're spending the money to go see this stuff, we have to realize that it, it takes some time to retell these stories, and, and to kind of set out something that, you know, nobody has ever done what Marvel has done, and as quickly as Marvel's done it, it it's been unprecedented, so now that we've been uh, fed all this, want more, you have to realize that it's, it's not as easy as they made it look. And because they made it look so easy, we just want them to turn out hit after hit after hit after hit. And it's, it's just not an easy task to have to imagine. Uh, obviously, I'm not in that writer's room, um, but I, I can't imagine it's easy to put out exactly what people want every time, and they've done so well with it. So I think we just need to pre- we need to understand grace, and we need to understand patience. And just kind of letting the process play out. Kevin, if I can deserve that from us as fans. With, with what we heard about Disney Plus losing subscribers in the last quarter of last year, and the talk is that they would be scaling back on the number of Marvel projects for Disney Plus, I bet maybe better overall for the health of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but that may be a concern to those who view Disney Plus as that 
contender to Netflix because if you don't have Marvel and you don't have Star Wars as much on Disney Plus, why continue to watch Disney Plus? Yeah, honestly, I, I can kind of see that being a, a bit of a, a sticking point. I think I think that we have to expand the idea of what Disney Plus is, right? Disney Plus is more than just Marvel. It's more than just Star Wars. And they have to start leaning on some of those other properties. Uh, I enjoy having all that, all that uh, multimedia, if you will, in one location right there. So I, I still enjoy Disney Plus service for what it is. Uh, my kids use my kids use Disney Plus service like crazy. Uh, if I have to hear Mickey Mouse Funhouse one more time, I think I'm going to uh, go to Pluto or something. I don't know. It, it's it's tough. But there's more to Disney Plus than Marvel and Star Wars. And I think I think Disney has to start leaning on some of those other other properties and start maybe kind of pushing some of those a little bit more on Disney Plus. Um, and Disney Plus, we, we have to understand that it was going to eventually start to shine. There's just no way they can keep increasing, keep increasing in numbers, especially with the lack of content that's coming out for Star Wars and Marvel and slowing things down. It's just not feasible. It's not feasible and it's not, it's not realistic for them to keep expecting growth after growth after growth. You're going to go through uh, a bit of a, a valley you got to go through a valley until things start popping up again. It's no different than HBO Max. When the, the Game of Thrones when Game of Thrones comes out, or now with The Last of Us being out, of course, viewership and subscribes, subscriptions are, are going up. Once those things start to fall off, then naturally people start looking at, okay, well, where do I need to cut costs at? I need to slow down on the subscriptions. So I'll, I'll cut HBO Max out for now until something else comes back out that I really want to see, and I'll go back to it. I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of having this, this pay-as-you-go or pay-for-service uh, subscription as opposed to, you know, yearly cable subscriptions or, you know, just big cable packages. That's why we have this kind of a la carte menu of subscription services to pay for them as we want to use them. When we don't want to use them and we see ourselves not using them as often, we scale it back. So it, it's expected. Um, I think people need to, especially investors and the stockholders, they, they can't panic. That's the one thing that you can't do in these type of situations. You cannot panic and start to make knee-jerk reactions based off of these these numbers because it's it's just not realistic for them to continue to go up quarter after quarter after quarter. Disney has been phenomenal, and they owe a large part of that to Marvel. Absolutely. They owe a large part of that to Star Wars. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's not realistic to expect growth over growth over growth quarter after quarter after quarter. Um, it's just not. So... What other programming is there for adults then that is going to be something that draws them in? Because Disney Plus has yet to find that one magical non-Star Wars, non-Marvel property that's really getting in audiences. So tell me, if, it's, if you don't have a Disney or Star Wars to throw at Disney Plus, what else do you have outside of all the great children's programming they already have? That, that's a fantastic question. And if we're going to speak frankly... I never thought of Disney outside of Marvel and Star Wars prior to having children. Disney was never an adult channel. It was never an adult network. It was always geared towards children. They've gone more adult recently, obviously, with the acquisition of Marvel and Star Wars and that whole generation that comes with that. But they were never an adult station. They were never an adult channel. Uh, they very seldom had adult programming on there. I think now that you have 
the Fox merger, you maybe lean more on Fox for some of their adult programming if that's what you're looking for. But I think we need to stop expecting a, 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 a Fox to be anything more than a Fox or a sheep to be a Fox when it's really a sheep. Disney was never an adult programming uh, subscription-based program. It was never about that. It was always about children and family. And I think that the truth of the matter is you're going to start getting more to the core audience of what Disney was because there's going to be a slowdown in Star Wars and Marvel. So I think the number that people are going to start seeing for Disney subscribers is going to be a much more realistic number based on straight Disney, not Star Wars, not Marvel, not anybody else but Disney. So to answer your question, I don't know if they have anything for that. Uh, like I said, I think we lean on Fox a little bit more and some of their programming, maybe push uh, some more of their adult content if that's what you're looking for. But it's Disney. We, we can't really expect adult, quote unquote, adult stuff out of the Mouse House. It's, it's just not. It's not. It's not what they built their brand on. It's not what they're known for. So they're not going to be able to reinvent themselves like that in the midst of restructuring themselves from Marvel and Star Wars stuff. It's just not feasible. Well, I do have my concerns, and I know as someone who wants to see the best out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not large concerns yet, but it is increasing because of the tepid returns for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Media. Marvel, I guess I'm going to stick with you, but it's kind of hard to go ahead and say so because of the fact the future, I think, is a little bit more uncertain. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I got an extra question I have for you. Okay. It's something I touched on with TJ Johnson in regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. I want to hear your thoughts on this because you are a more casual audience. You're not as hardcore MCU watching as everybody else. And that's as not everybody else as, as the hardcore such as myself that has to catch every episode that has to catch every installation. We recently saw the returns for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at the, as you know, after a initial good, very good weekend plummet substantially because of bad word of mouth and that's not the way you want to kick off phase five and after a very incoherent phase four i have concerns about the marvel cinematic universe going forward being that event watching for people out there especially by the time it gets to kang's dynasty and also secret wars later on in phase five and phase six 
your thoughts on this as someone who is a casual viewer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, where have they gone astray and can they regain that type of interest for, for casual audiences once again in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or are we at a crossroads? I, I think crossroads might be the answer here. I it's It's very difficult to convince people that they should care about a character that they've not heard of. And I think part of the magic, particularly with phase one, um, were the names of the people playing the characters that somebody might not be interested in. I might not have known who Iron Man was, but I absolutely knew who Robert Downey Jr. is. And perhaps based on that, I may have gone and checked out the Iron Man movie as the the first one that really kind of kicked everything off. So, um, you know, after that, you've got Chris Evans joining. You have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. The, the list goes on and on and on for all of those really incredible actors. And I think that part of it is um, their absence from this phase. And I, I think that that's that's what they're fighting against because there's an expectation of audience. And when you're not meeting those expectations, uh, I think that that's when you're, you're going to start to suffer and see things like uh, what happened with Ant-Man, which is terrible because I adore me some Paul Rudd. Come on. But you weren't that excited to see it, especially after hearing the bad news, and the bad response of it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, as, as much as I, am I going to go to the movie theater uh, to see a movie that I've been hearing kind of eh, reviews about? No, I'm not. But I will absolutely give it time uh, when it's streaming. If if I have to put actual pants on and leave my house to go and see a movie that I'm hearing is only kind of meh, just so I can stay current in conversations about it, it's not enough. It's well, you not do have enough. Lots of, well, you do have lots of choices right behind you. As far as those pants are concerned. Yeah, yes, there there are a few fair pants. I mean, there's dresses too that I could wear. I'm not opposed to wearing a dress to go to the movie theater, but it's just, you know, you really have to convince me these days to leave my house. Agreed. And fifth phase, sixth phase movies, they're not convincing me yet that I need to leave my house. I like my house. <laughs> what did the fourth phase, phase four, yeah. do wrong for you? What did... Where did it go astray for you? I mean, I, when I talked to people about it, I think there was just too many introduction movies. I think these introductions should have been part of a larger, more familiar movie, show, or concept. I think that the way that Hawkeye did it, as far as introducing characters or reintroducing characters onto the screen outside of the very familiar Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner storyline and his uh, redemption and retribution and, and the way he, he was still recovering from the after effects of what happened in the previous phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I really think that that was done so well. It is by far and away for me, outside, okay, that and Loki, but far and away for me, the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on television because it told a narrative, but also introduced new characters that going forward will be able to go ahead and expand the MCU even more. I think that it was not reliant on introducing new characters. It was actually doing a lot of things and it did all of those things well. When it comes to the rest of Phase 4, though, it was a lot of introduction movies. And I think people got tired of being able to see all these new faces and just maybe wanted to see, like you said, more familiar ones. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, having um, Iron Man, what's uh, Iron Heart? Yes, Iron that, Heart. Yeah, okay, so if you don't have Iron Man show up, at least for a little bit in the Iron Heart movie or show or, or whichever is coming, um, then that's doing a disservice to Ironheart because it's almost, I see it almost as a patchy, passing of the torch at this point from the, uh, uh, you know, the Avengers cast to the, the cast of players who are coming in now. It, it, and I think that audiences need to, to see that. They need to see that happening on the screen and they need to see that this isn't a replacement for, this is just a, a new version. And I, I don't know, that's not the right way that I want, intended to put it, but um, you know, Ironheart is not the new Iron Man. That's not the correct way to think about it, I don't think. It, it's a separate entity, and it's um, going to be dealing with a lot of the, the same stuff, you know, genius, robotics, all of that. But I think that the passing of the torch from those original actors to the new actors is, is key. I think that that's really very important. It's important to audiences. gives them also an opportunity to say goodbye this has your stamp of approval. I'm going to give it some time now. And I've spoken to you over the years now on the show. Yeah. You do not have the same interest level that you once did. I don't even have the same interest level that I once did because of how much the MCU has gone astray from telling an overarching narrative in all of its programming. It's the phase four. After I, when I look back on, on it, you know, I only now seemingly had to watch it for this show. I didn't have yes. to watch all those shows and movies in order to go ahead and understand what's going on in the MCU. And I felt that I'm in a way I feel cheated mm -hmm. out of uh, almost, you know, I don't want to say time wasted, but some of those movies weren't very good. So I really have uh, not the highest of things to say about phase four, but in your case, I've, I've heard it from you directly over the years on this show that you've not been pleased with the way that phase four extended itself out so where did it all go wrong but i think that it's just as, as simple as um the the way the stories were being told and um perhaps it's just the sheer volume of it at this point where it, it just kind of became not it didn't feel urgent for me to go and see the movie anymore. It didn't feel important for me to get there on opening weekend because I want it to be part of the, the water cooler talk at the office, or I didn't have to go see the movie on opening weekend because when I watch shield the net, the following week, it's going to have giant spoilers. If I haven't already seen the movie, I think that there's just a lot of things like that, that it feels like there's a vacancy now in these phases, including phase four. Now that's disappointing to hear that from you because you're the individual that they want to covet the most. They want your dollars and your interest the most. And if you're not excited, that tells me that a casual audience is not excited about what's coming up in the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They may go ahead and still in large numbers attend Guardians of the Galaxy coming out in early May because it almost seems like a rite of passage. Let's go see a Marvel movie at the beginning of May. Let's go. Let's go. Because, you know, it's always going to be there, you know, like death, taxes, and a Marvel movie at the beginning of May, mm -hmm. right around my birthday. So I want to say that I'm still very trepidatious about what's coming up. And I, you, you could, you know what 
generally is coming up in the distant future or the not too distant future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you were to change things to make it more appealing to you, what would you change about what would be coming up in the next couple of years for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I, I don't know what is happening in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I, I don't know what the storyline is going to be. I don't even know that I've recently watched the trailer. So just bear with me for a second as I kind of thought myself through this. Mm-hmm. I think a really good thing to do would be to introduce one or two of the characters coming with movies directly after Guardians of the Galaxy in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I think that that would just be smart planning. And I think that having the characters, you know, reference or talk about or give a glimpse of some of the more well-known characters in these movies at this point um, is important. And um, it just, it doesn't feel like anything is cohesive. It, It doesn't feel... It just feels like now they're putting out movies because they know that it's a cash cow and they know that the movies are going to make money. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that that's always the point, but it doesn't feel like I'm getting anything in return for my dollars and my time spent sitting in a movie theater watching these movies anymore. I don't feel like I'm part of you know, a, an inside conversation um, because I saw the movie before three of my friends did. So there's no urgency to tell them to get to the movie theater so we can talk about it because I don't want to spoil anything. That Mm -hmm. sense of urgency just isn't really there anymore. And it just kind of lands in the meh pile for me. And that's a shame because it just seemingly is not connecting now with a larger audience, which takes away from maybe it's style of movie making and maybe that's good for the entertainment industry that the superhero movies are not connecting with a worldwide audience was once they did i know that the uh, tours of the industry you know the famous directors and actors that have voiced their opinions against the success of the marvel cinematic universe have are, are probably now rejoicing at the fact that it's not doing as well i think that's great for for them so that they feel like their projects or their products can be now viewed by a larger audience, which may now turn its attention to them. But for Disney, this can't be a good sign because you've bet a whole bunch of money on Star Wars and a whole bunch of money on Marvel, and you don't have a whole lot behind it to cater to our generation, our demographic, as far as adults are concerned. You still have a ton for the kids, but outside of the nostalgia that you touch on when you watch Disney plus with the emperor's new groove and Hercules and all that, you know, after star Wars and Marvel, there's not a whole lot to go on as far as new IP. That's getting a lot of interest at Disney and Disney plus. Yeah. And I know that moon Knight, you know, had not the greatest reviews, but I really enjoyed the program, but I have seen nothing that indicates that I'm going to see him in these movies that are coming. Yeah, and maybe nothing. I have just missed that, but you know, like no, that's there. There was nothing indicated in that series that it was tying itself into the larger MCU, and I thought that was a serious mistake. Absolutely. See, that's an opportunity that they absolutely would have capitalized in Phase One, Phase Two, even Phase Three, but they're they're missing that now. They're starting to drop that ball. I think there's an assumption that because this is a Marvel movie, it's going to do well. It's action hero. It, it's all of these things. Uh, so it's guaranteed to do well. But that's not what people were going to the movie to see. People were going to the movie to see how the events of Moon Knight and bringing Moon Knight into, you know, a, I don't know, 
off the cuff of my off the top of my head, like a Captain America movie, how did those two interact together and what kind of story are you going to see out of that movie? That was what was interesting. That's what was compelling. But now, you know, they're they're putting stuff out. It feels like just for the sake of putting things out, they're not tying things together. They're not making it interesting. There's not really um, an opportunity for characters to, to cross over right now and have any kind of friction or disagreements um, between uh, the, the main characters of these movies and TV shows. And but that's just something that I really enjoyed seeing uh, when I was looking at those movies in the first, second, and third phases. So let's say the Marvel Cinematic Universe does see a decline in interest from mm-hmm. both larger and smaller audiences, the hardcores and also the general audiences at large. With the adaptation of the new CEOs with James Gunn and Peter Safran on the DC end of things, do you see the fan base shifting towards the DC universe? I don't, per se, other than what it is already. I still think it's going to be based off a quality movie or film in a row, plus telling an overarching narrative, which you will not get until really... James Gunn's movies start to come out. You won't see any of that till then. And by then we could see, again, it's a lot, a lot of the, the stuff that he has on his plate, as far as Swamp Thing and some other couple of the uh, other movies on hand may not be the most uh, attractive to a larger audience, but we'll see. Obviously we didn't know that about Guardians of the Galaxy and look where it's come to as far as a, third adaptation expected to do a hundred million dollars plus at the box office easily with, with no questions asked. But do you see the audience that may be declining over the years that were once there in phase one, two, and three, do you see them transitioning over and becoming more interested in the DC product outside of a Joker that does over a billion dollars and a, what a Aquaman that does a billion dollars. Yeah, Suicide yeah. Squad, which was received great uh, as far as HBO uh, when it came directly to HBO and obviously achieved a lot of acclaim in and of itself, which probably was part of the reason why he got him the job as CEO for DC. But do you see that marketplace for superhero movies shifting or do you see it just dissipating into something else that people will become interested in? Yeah, I, I think it's dissipating, really. I think audiences have been burned so many times by a DC movie, grand promises, under-delivering, seemingly pretty consistently. I think that it's a, it's a hard sell, and it's an uphill climb for Gunn, and I do not envy his position. Uh, Robbie and I like to do thought exercises. It helps you think faster, helps your improv, you know, all of that kind of stuff for running games. So we often play this little game together. And we're like, okay, so you're James Gunn, you walk into to DC, you have a whiteboard on the wall. What are your plans? What do you do first? My and, famous whiteboard. Yeah, I have no idea how he's going to take this and straighten it out with the baggage that DC has hanging on to it right now. And I, um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go, but it's going to take me a James Gunn movie or two in the DC universe before I trust it enough uh, to put my money and my time at the box office for those movies in particular. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. I can tell you how I would have done it. You know, his mm. gods and monsters, the characters that he chose, that's fine. And the placement of the movies for those movies, keep them where they're at. But it's the placement of the movies that he didn't have control of. The movies that were already in production or are being produced at this point in time. Yeah. I think he should have reorganized those. I think Aquaman should have been up front. I think Shazam maybe held to the back or put that to HBO because I don't think that's going to do well overall as far as the end of its box office run. I really think that uh, as far as the Batgirl movie or that was supposedly going to come out, I think that should have been released to HBO or something just to try and get some interest off it. I know it was a great tax break for HBO and Warner Brothers. So ultimately, you know, dollars dictate what's going to be happening out of it. But I think the Flashpoint movie, where it sits this summer, I really think that should have been where Aquaman should have been. I think that the Aquaman movie should have been the movie this summer. And Flashpoint, after Constantine, after all these other movies that have been produced, Joker, the Joker movie, the next Batman movie, get rid of all those movies, do all those movies in the can, even the third Batman movie, as far as with Robert Pattinson, do all those movies mm -hmm. first, then do Flashpoint. If he talked about already how that's going to be a reboot of the DC Universe, actually make it a reboot in the DC universe by putting it at the end of all these other pre-made or pre-organized or pre-arranged movies. Do that all first. And then boom, start from scratch from there. And I think that probably would have been a better for me organizational wise. I mean, you've been sitting on flashpoint for probably a year already because of the legal troubles for Ezra Miller, mm -hmm. I would have held on to it another two years and just made it the wipeout of the rest of the DC universe so that you can start fresh from there. The only thing about that is, you know, you're, you're asking audiences to invest in movies and stories that aren't going to matter as soon as that flashpoint movie would come out. 
you know, well, no, no, I, you, but I, you're doing that anyways. I mean, by watching Shazam, by watching Constantine mm -hmm. next year, by watching Aquaman two, by watching all these DC Elseworld movies or these DC related movies and animated features that are not James Gunn created, they're you know the same thing. You already know that they are only they're already dead man walking. They're, you already know that they're already, uh, you know, an entity, unless they do absolutely insane numbers, that they're something that James Gunn is not going to support going forward. Yeah, and, and I think that this is this is the time where throwing the baby out with the bathwater is the correct decision. I, I really do think that he should have just leveled everything to zero and he should have started over. I know with like contracts and, and stuff like that, things need to happen, but... Uh, you know, if he's okay, uh, you know, kicking Henry Cavill, uh, Gal Gadot, uh, who else has been uh, kicked off of projects recently when he decided he was taking well, over? Well, Ben anyway, Affleck may come back. You know, he's in Flashpoint, but he may come back, but only as a director is what he's talking right. about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I understand that it's a it's a big project. It's a it's a tough project to take and try to straighten out and try to force it into some kind of cohesive story over multiple movies. I, I do think that he has a huge task ahead of him. And I, this is one time that I do not envy him and the level of work that he's going to have to do and the level of backflips that he's going to have to do to repair uh, what's been going on in the DC universe. It, I like, I don't envy that level of work. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. You and I both, you and I both, right? indeed, but yeah. been such a great conversation. I cannot thank you enough as always, but you've got some more great stuff on the way, tabletop RPG-wise, so it's time to go ahead and give that magical plus, that magical plug that only you can give, so tell me your thoughts on what's going on in your realm of the tabletop RPG world before we head on out. For sure. So uh, this since Sunday, we are 100% back with Vampires and Vitae. We took a week off. Uh, we got word that one of our players, Margie, who's over in Ireland, she has just started to find that it's it's very difficult. Because, I mean, we play until four in the afternoon, which is just past midnight over there for her. And getting up early on Monday morning and going to work has become, you know, pretty difficult for her. And, and she's starting to meet people and have a social life. And as we know, in the tabletop world, you know, getting a significant other is always the, the death knell to a, a player at the table. So unless that significant other is DMing that table. <laughs> <laughs> yes, then there may be favoritism, but that's a whole other thing for a whole other day. So, you know, Margie has, has asked that we take the opportunity to kind of write her out of our story uh, for right now anyway. Uh, so we're going to take care of that on Sunday. I will say this, though, if you are going to tune into the live show uh, and you're watching on your computer, have your phone close to you. I know you probably will anyway, because there's a little bit of experiment experimenting happening with an element of the game coming on Sunday. And uh, there's going to be a level of audience participation uh, that I think is going to help really paint the picture of what's happening in the game. So uh, if you are going to join us for that live stream, make sure you have uh, some other piece of equipment near you that you can click on a link that we'll send out to everybody uh, and uh, be able to listen and, and kind of follow along with what's happening. It's a creative way for us to get around a copyright issue is really what it is. So that's coming up on Sunday. We're excited for that. We're going to miss Margie terribly. She's been an incredible addition to uh, Vampires and Vitae this season. So 
uh, we uh, are going to send her away with something truly special. And of course, she's always going to have that open door to come back to the table whenever she wants at any time. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Wizards and Wine still chugging along. I, I just had a, a really interesting, completely homebrewed game with the Vegas table last Monday, which uh, will be released in podcast form hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And uh, this coming Monday, we get back to the Halifax table and the girls are very close already in this chapter uh, to meeting another member of the Hourglass Coven, a hag by the name of Scabatha. <laughs> so we'll see how all of that shakes out this coming Monday. Will you stop picking at those scabs? <laughs> Scabatha. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Absolutely. Uh huh. Band-Aid wants to speak to Scabatha. That's all I'll yeah, say. Right. Antibiotic uh, ointment. Yeah. It is Vampires and Vitae and Wild Beyond the Witchlight. You got to go ahead and check it out today at Wizards and Wine, wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube. Please subscribe today. And of course, Vampires and Vitae. Join the crazy crowd that's there every time out, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, YouTube as well. Please subscribe there. Also, you can find Melinda each and every Monday, whenever she can make it down there to the Demolition Force. We're in space right now, so that's the big deal going on there. They're having space fun, with space battles, and only Dungeons & Dragons. I wonder if the creator of Dungeons... I wonder if Gary Gygax... Did I say that right? Gygax? Yep. Okay. What if Gary Gygax would have ever thought, you know what? Let's go ahead into space for my project, for my little D&D thing here I got going on here. Let's go ahead. Space is kind of a good thing. Let's go ahead and delve from there. I wonder if he actually had envisioned that for his series before his passing. Probably not when he was writing the first edition of D&D. That probably was very far from his mind. But, you know, with the, the popularity of sci-fi and, and the natural, I think common interest of people who are playing Dungeons and Dragons is sci-fi. So I just think that, I think he would have come to the conclusion eventually. I think he would have gotten there. It's wherever the players want to take it. So that's because that's, it. It, that's the way it should be. Players first. Mm -hmm. uh, that would lead to another D&D &D discussion for another half an hour. We'll save off <laughs> that for the next time D&D &D gets into controversy. But Great to have you here. Again, check out Melinda Barkhouse-Ross each and every time out. Vampires and Vitae also as well. Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Also as well, Demolition Force. And also as well, Reckless Moves at RecklessMoves.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great conversation. I cannot thank you enough. Any last thoughts on all the stuff we've been talking about lately in the past couple of weeks before we head on out? Nicholas Cage is a vampire is the thing I didn't know I needed until I found out it was happening. All right. Renfield it is. <laughs> and that's coming out mid-April, just to let everybody know. She's excited yeah. for it. You know, if you haven't heard why, go ahead and check us out here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But yes, I know when that movie comes out that weekend, she's going to say more on it. So go ahead and check that out indeed when that happens. But it is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is the PC Multiverse. For the latest news and trends in pop culture, there's no better place to go than the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. 
you can't yawn yet. You're not that bored yet. We've only just started here. We're going to, just for that, let's go ahead and talk another 90 minutes. All right, let's do it. All right, no, next, that'll be tomorrow <laughs> night. We'll go tomorrow okay. night on, on the mobile. Okay, fair enough. Deal.